Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Buying a commercial property can be complicated, especially when you don't know the rules and regulations governing how you should purchase commercial property. You might be buying a property in WA, you might be buying a property in New South Wales, or maybe buying one in Queensland. Each of them are different and they have a different way, a different process of how they do conveyancing, how they apply land tax, what kind of structures work in those states and the type of ways that a lease or a contract is put together. It can be very complicated and it can be very daunting. So join me for this podcast as I walk you through the different elements of buying commercial property. Hi there, welcome to another episode of Commercial Property Roadshow. You're here with Helen Tarrant and today we'll talk about the legal mishaps, the wrongful things people do when they do a transaction and it gets them into trouble legally or it gets them binded to a property that they can't get out of. And the reason I want to cover this is because recently we did a webinar on it with our community and there's some really interesting questions that came to light and it meant that a lot of people are mystified or need demystifying about what goes on when you buy commercial property and how it's fundamentally different from residents. Residential. Now, one of the big things about commercial property is that there's a due diligence that needs to be done that is different from residential. That means that the due diligence is about checking the tenant, about checking the property, but also about verifying certain things that are in the lease that whether it translates to practical practice, right? So your lease might be saying that your tenant pays the outgoings, right? But you might find in real life the tenant isn't. What do you do about that? It might have also said in an IM or in an advertisement that your tenant has you know, put in their own equipment or the vendor has replaced the roof. But do you really know if that's happened? And that's what the due diligence is about. Sometimes due diligence is one week. Sometimes due diligence can be six weeks, depending on the compliance that's needed. Now, we're getting into very heavy terms here. But the short and long of it is that you need a due diligence period. Now, in every state of Australia, people operate differently and transactions are done differently. And this is why we do this video. In the legal sense, the number one big thing about legals that you need to check when you buy a commercial property it is about your lease right is the lease a gross lease or a net lease so many times an agent has given us an IM that says oh the lease is a net lease and it ends up being a gross lease I cannot tell you right but and there's so many times that the advertising says it is a net rent and it ends up being a gross rent it's rampant right so one of the big things is that every state and every property they see net leases differently so for example in New South Wales you get a standard lease only has your rates and your insurance as recoverable outgoings and the lease can be obviously modified every lease is different right but the lease can be modified and you'll see that a uh, some leases will say, hey, it covers for everything, including land tax and including management fees. But recently I read a lease and it was advertised on both the IM and online that the tenant pays everything, including land tax. And then when we go through the lease, we find that the, the tenant pays land tax, but excluding it if you owned it in trust. Now that's very exclusive and it's very one of those things that you really have to check. Now, if you don't have a lawyer and you don't want to spend $500 every time you look at a property to get a check 
connect and verify, you can join our community. As part of our community, we give discounted legal advice. We also help our clients to vet through their leases before they buy as well. So if you want to find out more about that and how you can join us, the link is below. But that aside, that's the number one thing, your gross lease versus net lease and what exactly is a gross lease and what exactly is a net lease. Now, some people consider net leases, they pay almost all the outgoings, but except maybe management fees or land tax, sometimes they need to include all of that and more like repairs and maintenance. Different properties, different tenants pay different outgoings. So that's the number one thing. The number two thing is the conditions or terms when you are exchanging contracts or negotiating. In some areas like New South Wales, especially around Sydney and in Melbourne, the contracts are unconditional when you exchange. So often when an offer is accepted, there is a period of one or two weeks where the contract's been done. And that period is when you do your due diligence and you get your valuations out there and you start operating as if you've already had the property under contract. Of course, you're exposed if the transaction doesn't go ahead or you're exposed if someone comes in and just puts an unconditional contract, you get gazumped. But that's how it operates, is that that period is for you to do your due diligence and finance when you exchange is unconditional. They do that in the ACT as well, but the exchange period is a little bit longer, can take one or two months as they negotiate contract terms. Now, in Queensland, this is very different. And it's the same in South Australia. It's very, very different that you have a finance and DD period after you exchange contracts. So you can take the property off the market and then exchange contracts after that. So as many different ways of doing a commercial transaction and it varies from state to state. So make sure you understand the process. So for example, when we first went into South Australia, we went and sought a couple of solicitors. We sat down with them and paid them and said, tell us how the contract works. Tell us what is the process people go through to buy it and what are some of the things people look for when they're buying the first commercial deal. Walk us through the deal as if you're doing a live deal. And we do that because we want to be able to educate our clients so they don't make a mistake when they're buying their first commercial property in that state. Because if you make a mistake, you're going to get gazumped or you're going to lose the deal. Right? And that's the most important. And then finally, number three is to document. And a lot of people don't because it's a common practice. For example, if you are Sydney based and you're going to go to Melbourne to buy a property and the lease says there is a three months rent incentive for free rent, right? In Melbourne, it's not automatically adjusted as settlement. In Queensland, that's automatically adjusted, which means that if it's a three months rent free, when you settle, whatever's left of that three months is paid out to you by the vendor. Now in Melbourne, that doesn't happen in Victoria. It means that you have to document that on the actual contract. So you have to list it as an offer term. Otherwise, it's not applicable right and that can vary from state to state and really catch you out because it could literally be five or ten grand or sometimes if you're buying a larger property it could be 50 grand that you are missing out on and money out of your own pocket as well then of course there is what happens during the negotiation process and often people get overlooked this because during the negotiation process there's things that happen during pest and building there's things that you might dig up and say hey what is happening in real life versus what's happening in the lease and we want to document these things a lot of people go email exchanges and they don't really formalize it so if for example there is going to be a new lease then someone is going to have to surrender the old lease or if there's a new tenant coming in there's got to be some documentation that says this tenant has signed a heads of agreement or something that says they're coming in often that's left vague and you have some either rogue agents out there or you have tenants who vaguely remember this happened but don't have it in writing or don't have it formalized so when you do settle and you go hey you know what remember 
is the tenant was going to do these works and I'm going to do these works. The tenant's going to say, no, in my head, you were going to do all of the works. So those are really important things. And these are the pitfalls that most people miss out on because the transaction and the process, there's so many things happening in that due diligence period. And there's so many multiple different negotiations happening. So for example, you could be doing a negotiation on the lease at the same time, getting a pest and build report, getting a drone flown over the top, getting a roof report, getting air conditioning, and there might be 10 different items that are changing in the lease. Now, every commercial property transaction is a live transaction for the day you settle on it, and then some more. So it's important to have a documentation along the way. So we always try to put a chronology. If something happens, we always try to put a chronology, list out all the emails that's happened during when you have that transaction. The most important thing is, of course, that all of these becomes crystal clear when you settle and you don't miss out on things. And the final thing is when you settle, do check the settlement statement because we've had times where people go, oh, vendor promises a discount for you know a leak in the roof and that was five grand. They never adjusted it. The vendor promised us that they were going to fix or change the tabletops. Like one, one time we had a vendor who says, oh, I'm going to change the tabletops. They never got that done. So that should have been adjusted as settlement. There have been times when they go, okay, well, we had a bond and that wasn't adjusted as settlement because the solicitors thought that was going into the agent's trust account and the agent said, well, we never collected it. So that was never specified. And if you lose a bond, it's very hard to get the tenant to repay you a bond when they already paid the previous landlord. It's very hard to chase up that bond afterwards. So these are little things that can be adjusted as settlement, which our legal team, when you're part of our sourcing program, checks through to make sure these things don't get lost, right? So your rental guarantees, any of the rental guarantees, if you're buying a multi-tenant and you have a vacancy, your bonds, any discounts on any capital works or any rental incentives that are given to the tenant or anything that needs to be held in trust because sometimes you agree that the vendor said, okay, in the next 12 months, I am going to replace three of your air conditioning. That may be 20 grand. Now, I'm not going to do it straight away, but I'll do it in the next 12 months and I'm going to put that money in trust. You've got to make sure that is in trust at settlement, right? So there's many, many little pitfalls and little things that can make your transaction a smooth and wonderful experience. There's also many transactions and we have dealt with all of them that can make your transaction a nightmare. It can be a rogue agent, a vendor that is very bullish. It could be an unscrupulous selling agent. It could be all sorts of things. It could be people trying to hide things from you. And that's why you really do need support, right? You need someone and a group of people to support you in finding out the true facts that you know what you're buying. So if that's what you're interested in, if you're interested in joining a community, finding out more about commercial property, we've got some wonderful live events coming around Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. We also have some virtual events and also please, you know, reach out to us, uh, get our book, be involved in our community. There's so many ways to get into commercial property right now through Unicorn Commercial Property. There's no time for you to make an excuse right now, but to click on one of the links, join us. And I look forward to helping you in your commercial property journey. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now. So now you know a general idea of how you should operate across the states is really deciding what is your comfort zone and where you should be looking for your first commercial property, but really engage a solicitor to start works on your commercial property deal as soon as you know what you're looking at. So that may be reviewing a contract, that may be walking you through the process of purchasing. Regardless of what it is, you need some professional 
advice and opinion before you start so that you don't lose the deal in the process to make sure that when you negotiate, you negotiate the correct way. Now, if you need handholding, you need someone to support you through that journey, or if you simply want to learn more about commercial property, reach out to us, Helen at unicorn with a K.com.au, unicorn.com.au, helentarrant.com. Join our Facebook group, check out our events, buy the book, so many ways to get into commercial property, and we're here to support you through that journey. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.